So this week I got to teach on, well, I got to tell my testimony, and then I got to teach a little bit on the gospel, which the gospel's better than we believe. Most of us have a very simplistic understanding of the gospel that distorts who God really is and limits our capacity to really receive who the gospel says we really are, the beloved of God. Like that's the purpose of our life and the meaning of our life is to live as the beloved in Eden, naked and unashamed, unclothed before one whose affection is the source of our very life. I wonder how deeply we've taken in simple truths from the scripture like, you formed me in my mother's womb. How much time have you spent to sit and just know that? Amen. That I'm, you're not an accident. And I've noticed as I sit down, so I said I taught, I shared my testimony, I preached the gospel. Then the other thing I did was I sat down with individual students, some Americans, some Hondurans, some from Belize, some from Costa Rica, some from other place, El Salvador, And I noticed that the story we're telling about our life needs editing. We need to let the Holy Spirit edit the story we're telling ourselves about our life. And as we learn conversational prayer with God, He does that more and more. But many of us are leaving God voicemails in our prayer time. Do you know what I mean? It's a one-way conversation. And there's much he wants to say and much he wants to ask and much he's waiting to answer until we ask. And so the purpose of the times that I sit down with people is for them to unpack their burdens because I really don't know how to help you if you don't have a problem. Do you know what I mean? Like I can see that you have a problem, but unless you know you have a problem, I really can't help you. And so I sat down and I did a lot of listening this week and a lot of note-taking, and a young man from Belize asked me for my pen, which I found interesting. And of course, I gave him my pen, thinking, it hardly has any ink left because of all the writing I did. But the Lord was very clear with me, give him the the pen. Um, But I did a lot of writing so I can pay close attention to the story you're telling me. Because what I'm doing in my times where I sit down with people is I'm not, I'm not just looking for what they believe that's wrong about God, their story themselves. I'm not just looking for burdens we're carrying that need to be unloaded on Jesus because he wants to carry our burdens, right? Doesn't Jesus say that? Cast your cares on me because I care for you. But, so I am. I'm looking for burdens, but I'm not just looking for burdens. And I'm not just looking for lies they believe because Jesus said, you'll know the truth when you listen to my voice. You'll know the truth. And the truth is going to set you free. So we know if the truth sets us free, what is it that keeps us enslaved? Lies. So I'm listening for lies about God that they believe, lies about life, lies about identity, self. And I'm taking as careful notes as I can. But really what I'm doing is I'm looking for the key to their heart. Because a lot of us have truth up here, right? We've been taught the things that we're supposed to say and supposed to believe as Christians. 
But transformation happens when we let the truth go all the way down. Yeah, I know I set mine to silence during the singing time because I'm the same way. I'm like, oh dear, did I, did I remember? And then my watch isn't silent either. Yeah. A lot of us know the truth in our head, but there's a different story we're believing in our heart. And so, so then, then, remember how I just said, I just finished saying and singing a song that the Bible lives this really honest, this really real uh, way, this very vulnerable way. Have you read through the Psalms? Psalm 13, for example, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and have sorrow in my heart every day? Is that how you pray? Or Psalm 42 and 43, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disquieted? Why don't you have any access to peace? What is your problem, soul? Why don't you hope in God? Why, am I, why is my food every day my tears? Why do I have to eat tear soup every day? The Bible knows this deep honesty. It's looking for heart honesty. Amen. Right? And remember the story I told about the pastor's wife who her prayers were pretty, but her heart She's like, I just don't hear God anymore. I used to hear God and I don't hear God anymore. What happened? And then, well, you know, this thing, really hard things happened to me. And the counselor was thinking, uh, sounds almost like you have resentment against God. <gasps> me? Resentment against God? <gasps> How dare you accuse me of such a thing? That's terrible. She got to the place where she actually yelled, God, I hate you, with a lot of passion and anger. And God instantly said, there you are. Now we can talk. Does that violate your theology? I certainly wouldn't be comfortable if I went to church and that's what we were singing. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, be like, I'm out. This is some goofy stuff. God, we're so mad we hate you. I'd be like, oh, I don't know about all that. However, in the secret place of your heart, if you're doing it as an act of surrender, saying, this is how I feel but I will obey. That's different, isn't it? Instantly, the silent thing that she, really, she thought it was God being silent. It wasn't God being silent. She had walls up. Because, and we sit down, what I'm looking for with each person is the key to their heart. I'm looking to find access to their heart. I need to find a way. Because I've noticed when, You'll feel it. You'll feel it in the room. You feel it in churches. You feel it in meetings. You feel it in spaces. That when we unlock the door to our heart, the presence falls. He doesn't come when we say the right words. He comes when this is real. I was thinking this morning as I woke up about the key of David. And I was thinking, that's the key of David. Did you know David took the city of Jerusalem? It was originally... Uh, occupied, held by a different group of people. And it says that when he took the city, he, they snuck in. They didn't do a frontal assault. They didn't like just batter the door down. There was a water shaft that they snuck in that opened to the center of the city. And then they ran and unlocked the doors from the inside. That's what I'm looking for in my sessions with people. And I have this theory because Christians, we pray things like this. God, help me trust you more. You know what will automatically create trust in you? 
When you know his love. Trust is the automatic response to God's love. And it's not something you produce. Like you don't, you don't see a bunch of constipated trees out there working hard to produce apples in the orchard, do you? Could you imagine if you were driving past Smith's apple orchard and that's what you saw? You okay in there? You giving birth? I'm bearing good fruit. I'm trying to trust the Lord. That's no trust is faith is a gift according to the Bible. Have you read this? We're saved by grace through faith, and this is not a good work. This is not of yourself, but the very faith, which is us reaching out to take hold of His hand and say yes, is itself a byproduct of Him working on us. It's cool. It's good to pray, increase our faith. That's good. I want to trust you. Help me trust you. But you know how he's going to help? Let his love in a little deeper. So love is the key of David that unlocks the door from the inside. And I'm looking. How can I help them? How, like, that's, that's what, it's so fun. It's so fun. I had a translator with me named Christiana uh, Christie. And she kept, after each session, she'd say, oh, I'm learning so much. And I'd say, well, you know, what are you learning? She's like, oh, this is so frustrating. I said, yeah, you're very prophetic, aren't you? She goes, yes. I said, and you're totally, it's driving you crazy that I don't just, like, say the truth. Because I could. It'd be easy. That's wrong. What you believe is wrong, and here's the truth. But that just breaks on the wall. And I'm looking for the key of David. I'm looking for the access to the heart well, how can I get past, you know? You can even start there, the start the session. Here's the lie, because here's one fun question. This is a fun way to ask the question. Are there any lies about God that the enemy has been trying to plant in your mind? It's amazing how perceptive we are. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty interesting question, isn't it? Like, Danielle, you could answer that question. That's different than saying, are there lies I believe? Lies the evil one is trying to plant in my mind about the Father. You, you just, we know. Like, that's fascinating. And then you could say, what's the truth? And she could hear a truth. But once you go through a process, say, why? What's the opportunity in my life that's causing me to be available for that thing to land? And you go, this and this? Oh. So we'll start there and go through a long process of saying, God, where were you when that happened? And you can feel the room shift when I say, okay. And they're sensing where God was. One fun one that I did this week. See, I'm not saying too many names because confidentiality stuff. But one fun one that I did this week, this person's had like, was cheated on. A parent died. Somebody else close to them died. Family moved away. It was like heavy loss after heavy loss after heavy loss. Like, are you kidding me? And when I asked the question, like, God, what did you want to say to me during all that? Well, God's doing, this was, the, this was the answer. See if this makes you mad at the evil one. Well, God's doing this to me because he wants me all for himself. So he's taking everyone away from me. Doesn't that get you provoked? And I broke, I broke my codes. You know how I have rules that I make for myself? 
and I, then I break them, and then I go, why do I even make these rules? I said, I said, okay, I'm going to break my own rules, and I'm just going to talk to you straight. Jesus didn't take your mom. He received her, and he's keeping her safe for you, not from you. He's got her secure so that you can never lose her. Amen. He didn't take her. He received her. He didn't take so-and-so. He received him. He didn't make your spouse cheat on you over and over. He would have never, your spouse would have never acted that way if he was full of Jesus, would he? If he was full of Jesus, he would have been faithful to you. He would have taken care of your heart. He would have served you. He would have protected you. He would have provided for you. That's how I know none of that has anything to do with the Father. He's not doing any of this to you. I said Romans 8.28 to a different person. Romans 8.28 says, And God works all things together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose, right? So if my heart is, I just love God, then I know that God is working in all the bad. Because there's a, when we tell the whole story, can we tell the story? There's a lot of bad in our story. A lot of bad. I said, he, God is so good. God is so good. Your father, Linda, is so good at taking the hard things that have happened in your life and working them, not just for his glory, for your good and his glory. He's so good at it that some Christians stand back and say, he must have planned it. He must have planned it. He must have planned the death. He must have planned the tragedy. Brother dies at 12 years old from a disease. God must have planned it. I don't know why he planned it that way. I guess we just have to trust his plan. And I go, wait a minute, he's so good at bringing good out of bad that people think he planned the bad. Yeah, that's how I feel, Bunny, not my Jesus. It was just so beautiful to be able to cut stuff off of people's perception of their father. Because how do you receive the love of a father who you think is the author of the broken, sinful, wicked, evil stuff that happens to us in our lives? Listen, where am I supposed to... You guys know this, right? Like, Adriana, you know. Who, who looks just like the Father? Of all the people who've ever lived. Yeah. So where are we supposed to look to see what the Father's like? Jesus said, if you've seen me, John 14, you've seen the... And yet people are looking to their lives in a sinful, fallen world that is way out of alignment with God to figure out who God is. We really are. This is what I'm finding. If, if life's going well, we say, God's blessing me. If life's going hard, we say, I don't know what happened. I'm in a wilderness. Yeah, so this week for me is I get to sit down with individual young people and adults. And, and by the way, I've said this before, but uh, young people have adult problems, right? Yes. Someone died of cancer. Someone cheated on, on the, your mom. Now that's gone. Uh, you get abused, you get even abused religiously sometimes, like kids have adult problems. Adults are like little kids. I don't care how old you are, you're only, as do, you're only doing as well as your inner child is doing. You can't get past it, you need love. Amen. You need love, like I don't care how rich and successful you are, yep. the things driving you are the same things that drive a five-year-old, yep. Period. Period. Which is why some people who try to make a life for themselves through intellectual stuff inside are empty because their inner child doesn't care about all that smart crap. 
Why didn't they love me? I, I, I need love. Right? So all I did this week is the same stuff I do with you guys here and the same stuff I do everywhere else, which is help connect people to this God who I think is the best thing that ever happened to anyone. And he showed up for every session, like he does. And every session was special and unique. And I have a fresh revelation on the goodness of the Father, on the goodness of the gospel. And I now see the body of Christ a little bigger. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've already downloaded the app and I'm trying to learn Spanish. Uh, because all week I kept saying, I wish I knew Spanish. And then I, as soon as I'd say it, it was like the Holy Spirit would say, that's not how you get Spanish. <laughs> it's similar to I wish I'd lose weight. That's not how you lose weight. No. I wish I knew God better. That's not how you know God better. There's actually a path you've got to walk, buddy. <laughs> I wish I had more friends. That's not how you get more friends. So I downloaded the app and I'm working on it. Did I hear someone say bueno? That's great. They talk so fast. I bet that's how they feel with me. The the way I was introduced was hilarious. They said, last week we had so-and-so. Tim is the opposite. Last week we had so-and-so. They had a plan. I literally don't want a plan. I want to see what is here and then see how I need to respond. Again, I'm looking for the key of David. Amen. By the way, I just made that up, so if that's not true, if that's a wrong expression of it. Uh, but I feel like the key of David, he had access from his heart to the Father's heart. There was some intimacy. There was this intimacy thing that, that David had with, with God that caused him to have so that so that God said, I will always give you a man on the throne, period. And that's Jesus now. How crazy is that? Can you imagine? Can, think about it. If you're David right now, your Savior is called Son of David. That's going to mess with your head. And you're going to say, because I did the thing with the harp? And the Father's like, no, I mean, the harp was there, but no, it wasn't about the harp. It was about the aroma, Right? Like it says, the pleasing aroma in the, in the Lord's nostrils whenever they did the uh, holy barbecue thing to, before the Lord. Have you ever thought about that? Temple worship as holy barbecue? Smelled like Texas Roadhouse, I guarantee you that much. When that fat gets a burning on them charcoals, that's what the temple smelled like, guys. Do you ever think about that? Plus incense. And it says a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Do you think that the Lord was really pleased by the smell of the meat or was there maybe something else more important to the Lord? See, this is why David, as a man after God's own heart, is able to say, sacrifices and offerings you did not desire. Yeah, I mean, you did. You wanted those. Those are symbolic of something very, very important. But what you're really after, God, you want my heart, Father. You want, my, you, you want me. And it's amazing what happens when people in the heart contact God's heart. So I'll have them ask this question. That hard thing that happened, that really hard thing that happened, I'll say, where were you when? Do you have a physical location? Yeah, my house. Okay, where in your house? What room? 
There. Okay. Go there in your imagination. All right? Okay, I'm there. Relax your shoulders, bro. Just chill a little. Okay, now, I want you to recall the emotion. Tell me when it's on you. Okay, it's there. All right. Now ask him where he was. That's the first one. And then, then they answer theologically. Uh, well, I know from these various passages, uh, like Matthew 28, uh, surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And I go, uh-huh, okay, so he's with you. And I accept it. Even though I know it's a head answer, right? And then I'll say, what was in his heart for you then? Oh, yeah, well, he just really wanted me for himself. Yeah, that kind of stupid stuff, right? And I'm going, mm. let's try again. What was the father feeling when you were crying and alone and hurting? And when you found out you were adopted and your family never told you, what was the father feeling? Now, for the first time in their life, they're accessing the heart. Not the God with a blueprint in heaven with a plan far away whose ways are beyond our ways and who can't be known or understood. No, no, no. Jesus is a God with skin on who bleeds and cries with us. That's the real God. The real God is the God on earth with skin on who bleeds with us. Not the God in heaven with a plan and we're the little people on earth who just have to live with it. Maybe, maybe he'll give us an answer one day. No. And when I see, the, when I see their, their heart get online with his heart, it shifts things. That's your father. Your father is not invisible, far away, in heaven with a plan. And now we're the little people on earth and we just have to suffer through and muddle on and be brave. No, he actually delights in you and he created you, formed you with his hands and breathed his breath in you and his intention and desire. I want you to think about this. There was no temple in the garden. Temple is for mediation between sinful humans and holy God. When we were separated, in order to bring our conscience clean so we could have union again. But in the garden, there was no temple. In Revelation 22, in the new creation, there is no temple. And who is the temple now? You are which means now there's no more need for the temple. No more need for sacrifices because what sacrifice has already happened? Once for all, says Hebrews, once for all, Jesus has made us perfect forever while we're being made holy. So, so now, now, God's not in heaven with a plan and we're the little people on earth far away and we just don't understand. In fact, not only do we understand First Corinthians 2 says, uh, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even conceived what God has in store for those who love him. Quoting Isaiah. And then he does this, which we didn't expect, but he's revealed it to us by the Spirit. And then he says, We have the mind of Christ. We actually know him. We know what he's like. 
We understand his heart for us. We depend on his love for us. He speaks to us in full sentences. I told somebody this week, right now you get simple words, but as you develop your ear and sit with Jesus and you practice this kind of fellowship with him, it'll grow and you'll get paragraphs. I said, there's going to be days when you get full pages. You get multiple pages of just ongoing talk where the Father says things to you. And, what he's, and you're going to say, slow down, Lord. I can't write this fast. And he's going to say, why do you need to write this down at all? You think I'm leaving? Well, I want to remember what you said. And he'll say, you don't need to remember what I said. I remember what I said. And I'll fulfill every promise. This is called friendship. How weird would it be if every time Linda and I sat down, I had to write down every word she said and try to hold on to it. And it was like a religious thing that I had where I knew that Linda would be pleased with me if I took every word that she said in our conversations and I made sure that I did my part. That'd be weird, right? And yet that's often how we treat things we hear from God, as though he's going away and speaking, him speaking is so rare that we have to almost have a fearful thing, and then we have to get busy fulfilling it. Guys, I'm not, even, I'm not getting busy fulfilling prophetic words. I'm in relationship with God. I'm relaxed. Can you say this with me? I'm relaxed, and my Father is working. Just chill. The body of Christ needs to relax our shoulders and, and, and have some fun because God's in a good mood. He really is in a good mood. He is in a good mood. You know? And, and not, as, not only is he in a good mood, he feels our pain. He feels our pain. He cries with his people. He, did you know he sings over you? Have you ever stopped and asked him what he's singing over you? Do you know when you look in the Bible and you see verses like that, you're, they're yours and you're allowed to like take them and say, hey, I want to catch this one in. What are you singing over me, Father? It says you rejoice over your people with singing. It says you put me to sleep with a lullaby. What's that about, Father? Fat Albert. I'm sorry, Carl. I just couldn't. I, you accessed my hey, hey, hey. There's a really, really good father who loves you so much, he was unwilling to be without you. Do you know that? He He was unwilling to be without you, Kate. So he emptied heaven and sent his most precious possession to pay the highest price to get sin off of us so that we could get his glory back into us. Because he's unwilling to go through eternity without his children. And yet the body of Christ that I understand it has this understanding of the gospel as God is really, really holy and therefore he's furious all the time. One young lady literally said to me this week, I sin every day, therefore God is angry, infinitely saddened and angry at me every day for my sins. She said all sin is the same to God and, and, if, and it, it's not true though, Bunny. Um, I know, it's what I was taught too. It's not, all sin is sin. All sin is sin. But all sin is not the same to God. There are small sins that only slightly irritate God and there are huge sins that enrage Him. That's a whole separate sermon called, All Sins the Same? Question mark? 
So here's a young lady whose heart is pure, who's born again, who has Jesus on the inside, who's dead to sin and alive to God, and who is believing lies about her identity, thinking the old nature that he says is dead is actually who she really is now, and that she is a disappointment to God every day, and that what he feels toward her, this is theologically, by the way, this is what theology, this is why theology matters, because her theology has taught her that every day God's disappointed and angry at her, because she's a dirty, rotten sinner. And I'm like, you were a dirty, rotten sinner. That's why Jesus paid the highest price to get that nature off of you, to put the sonship back in you. Because Jesus didn't die for the anger of God to be uh, satisfied. He died to crush the power of sin and death that had a hold of you and me. Theology matters. So here's a young lady who's unable to daily access the delight the Father has for her. You remember what Brian Connolly said when his grandma said, how can you pray for eight hours and not get bored? You remember his answer? He gave some answer and the Lord later said, do you actually know? Do you know the strength of your prayer life, Brian? And he goes, no, Lord, I really don't. And he said, Brian, you settled a long time ago that I desire you. Brian had spent time with the verse that says in, in uh, Song, of so- Song of Songs, that says, I am, that's identity, I am my beloved's, I belong to you. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. Yes, it is. Mm. When you believe that you are a dirty, rotten, wretched sinner and his displeasure is for you, then love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength will not be possible. You won't love God. You'll try to love God, and the harder you try, the more you'll fail and resent Him. Which is why His whole deal in the gospel is not, you should love me, but rather, receive my love. I will make you into the kind of person who loves me. Jesus says, if you'll abide in me and my words in you, you will bear much fruit. So this is what I do, right? I preach the gospel to the young people, to the old people, to myself. And it's so much fun. Because when you see those kind of uh, areas where we need upgrades, you're like, okay, here's a principle for you guys. When you see something you're sinning in, instead of beating yourself up for how you failed, get encouraged for what God's revealing. So for example, I'm a judgmental person. I told someone, please do not label yourself with that. Instead of saying, I'm a judgmental person, be really, really grateful to the Holy Spirit when you realize in a particular moment that you're judging someone because he's showing you that so that in that moment... You can choose to bless them and to honor them and to humble yourself. It's like, you're going to get an upgrade. That's so exciting. You should be thankful when you realize you have spiritual pride, when you're looking down on someone else as inferior to you. Get encouraged. Say, oh, my word, thank you so much, God, for showing me that. That is so not your heart for them. That is so not you. Change that, God. What do I pray? How How can I partner with your spirit to not 
to let, that, to let that get put to death right in this moment. I told you this story so many times, but I want to tell it one more time. And let's see what time it is. 12.04, we got a baptism to do. I'll tell you this story. I'm in a meeting full of people singing to Jesus, and there's this kid, and he's got no shoes on in church, which that's kind of like, for me, I'm like, all right, okay, I don't know. It's not ideal. And his like, pants are real short, like capris. You know what I'm talking about? With, like, they're like real short. Yeah. And I'm like, that's for ladies, bro. And uh, see, see, I'm already judging him. Yeah. He's got a pot belly. Yeah, yeah, you find yourself doing that. And I don't know if you notice this, but certain shirts accentuate that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, man, come on, man. <laughs> and he's dancing. Yeah. Now, depending on how he's dancing, that could be good or bad, right? But he was dancing in a way that I was like, oh, that's embarrassing. And it was during the music time, like we're singing to Jesus. And I look over, and there's this slightly unattractive kid with his bare feet and his capris and his little pot belly, and he's spinning and flipping around like a, like a Cinderella. What's the word? Ballerina, that's the word. Not a Cinderella. What the heck am I doing? So I was judging him, wasn't I? I was like embarrassed for him. You know, if he was my kid, I'd be like, easy killer. Let's go over here in secret and like get you some new pants and... Some sit-ups and a, a, looser, a looser shirt. And then just generally calm down. Like maybe don't be so demonstrative for Jesus. And, in that same, and this all takes place in like four seconds, right? Like boom, boom, boom. Because your brain, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil made us judgmental. So we don't even have to prep for it. We don't have to practice to become that way. We're humans. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We take one look at someone and size them up. We say, lay off the burgers. You shouldn't have children. You're only in that relationship for what they give you. Both of you are egotistical. Split judgments. Do, do, do. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Are you with me? Yeah. yeah. Stereotype, judge, categorize, move on with my day. Feeling slightly superior. I guess. So I look at him and I make that judgment. Instantly I realize I made that judgment. And it was like, who's free, you or him? Him. Who's free? Who's naked and unashamed? Who's, who's in love with the Lord? This is what he was doing, guys. He's in the Lord's presence just singing, and he was playing with the presence. He was playing with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I mean. He'd be spinning and singing and knocking over the pulpit, and then he's like, he didn't. Um, and I'd see him do this. And then like 20 feet away, some other person would do this. And then turn to see who shoved them, and no one touched them. And they didn't see him make the motion, so I know it wasn't like some coordinated thing. And I'm going, real power is going out of this guy's hands. Holy Spirit is actually enjoying playing with him. It's like he's throwing waves of energy at people. What is going on? So I walked straight over to him, and I said, pray for me. I need what you got. So he put his hand on my head, and I'm like, yes, pray. And he prays, and then I go back. And a while later, I'm judging him again. And I go straight back, because I'm not good. See, I'm getting an upgrade, guys. If I become aware of a thing, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm so judgmental. Now I need six years of crying. And Lord, I'm a bad person. Will you please change me? Oh, my word. Guys, that's not praying. That's not faith. That's begging out of anxiety. It's trying to earn something. It's just all levels of goofy. Get up and say, thank God you're showing me that. Let's put that to death because that's not who I am. 
That's the old me. That's something that's trying to come on me that's from my old life. That's not who I am anymore. So Paul says, put to death whatever belongs to your old self. He already put the old self to death on the cross. So you're not saving yourself through religion. But stuff from your old self's trying to come on to your new self so you have a mixed, weird behavior where you're not even acting like you. Because you know who you really are? You're the beloved of God. You're the one who is loved much. You're the one who loves much. That's who you are. Not what you do. That's who you are. You're worth the blood of Jesus. Are you with me? So I went back over to him like a second time. Pray for me. I need what you got. He prays for me. I think the third time or fourth time, he, one of those times, he finally said, stopped before he prayed and stepped back. Dang, boy, you hungry. And I was like, you have no idea. Because I was making war on that thing. I will have freedom. Right? here's a good attitude to have like someone gives an altar call I'll be alright I don't need to make a fuss I'll just go, go back to my house and pray about this quietly yeah I'm sure that'll work what dude dude I'm leaping over pews and fighting my way to the front <laughs> I don't know if you're getting a miracle but I am that sounds selfish isn't it no it's hunger it's hunger like the woman who went after miracle, Jesus didn't like say, your wish is granted. He goes, what just happened? Are you, are you with me? Think about that. The father's heart moved before the son's mind even had a clue. How cool is that? And what was it? It was her, it was her faith. It wasn't her desperation, guys. It was her faith. Okay. Manaya. Are you ready to get over here? No? Will you come anyway? No. <laughs> uh, that, whole pew, that whole pew can just come up and make sure you're close and support her. Did you bring a fresh uh, change of clothes? Or are you just going to go home sopping? You got, you got clothes. Excellent. <sighs> you want to feel the water so you know. Like it's a, it's a real thing. Yeah, we're treating you pretty nice, aren't we? It's not cold. So this is Manaya, and she's been, we've been having conversations about Jesus uh, for, what, a month? Something like that? Yes. Uh, Is there anything you want to say to the church before we we do this? No, I wondered if if maybe you wouldn't wouldn't be the talkative type. Okay. You going to do it with shoes on? No. No. So we've been having our chats about who is God, what is the gospel, um, the one session we just talked about, God loves me. And then the last one we finally talked about, baptism. Jesus died for me, but he died as me. I died on that cross, and now he and I are one, so we're also one in his resurrection. And now every day I wake up, I wake up loved and righteous and clean, no matter how I feel. It's not about that. It's not about how I feel. It's not about those voices in my head that still lie to me. Every day I wake up, well, I wake up a son. When I wakes up a daughter, and it's not her fault. She didn't do it. 
She's just loved. It's not her fault. She didn't do it. She's forgiven. It's not her fault. She didn't do it. She's in Christ. It's not her fault. She didn't do it. She's made brand new. She has a new nature, a tendency to actually want God. So if she gets off the path, Holy Spirit in her is going to go, you're off the path. Not instead of leaving. Right? Because people, hey, we got several towels right here. Sometimes we have the attitude of, you know, with humans, if I screw this up or hurt their feelings or they don't love me anymore once they really see who I am, then they want, then they want to leave. God's already seen our worst and he's already made his decision and said, yes, worth the blood of Jesus. So instead of leaving, when we screw up, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. But he's not just like letting go. Is that, is that cool or what? You don't get yourself in Christ every day, guys. You wake up redeemed. Remember it. Receive it. Live in it. All right, I think we're getting the water. I'll help you so you don't fall. Now, don't just jump in. There's a, we step on this chair. You're trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone to make you right with God the Father, right? Yes, you put the mic on her. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Yeah. And you're doing this because you want to give your life to God the Father. Yes. Yeah. And you told me also because you want to kind of turn over a new leaf and do things God's way from here on out. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I don't remember if you used the word fresh start, but I think that's kind of the, the, impl- the implication I got was like a fresh start. Yeah. Yes. And we had to talk about God's love. You know, this ain't nothing about earning nothing. This is you saying, I'm all in. I'm all in, 100%. All my chips on the table. I surrender. I want, my, I want your love, God, to be my thing. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. The hard part is over. <laughs> Appreciate you. Thank you for holding that. So in the name of Jesus, on the basis of your confession of faith, and I can, I've, seen the heart, like, I've seen your heart burning for God in our conversations. It's been... Super encouraging to me. So on the basis of your confession of faith, and I already see fruit. Yeah, you can put your hands up. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are the beloved of God. You are in Eden. You are no longer living under the conditions of death and sin, but life and immortality is already springing up in you. And yes, this world has fallen, and yes, this world is a hard place, and yes, we are pilgrims on a journey, and this world is not our home, but our home has already broken in. So you are now, right now, no longer slaves but sons, and the Spirit cries, Abba, because you are sons. Go in it, rest in it, relax into it. Amen.